In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Blessed Feast of Pentecost. Um, before we get into the sermon, I actually just want to read from you the reading from the Book of Acts, because traditionally today, um, the Book of Acts is, is talking about this feast day. Um, and we would have done um, certain hymns right after um, that reading. Chapter the Acts of our fathers, the pure apostles, who are the best of the Holy Spirit, the blessing us all, amen. Now when the day of Pentecost came, they were all with one accord gathered in the same place. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like the rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Divided tongues that seemed like fire appeared, and one tongue rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other language as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. At that time of year, devout Jews from every nation under heaven were staying in Jerusalem. When this sound was heard, a crowd formed and people were bewildered because everyone heard the disciples speaking in one's own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear everyone speak in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them speaking in our own language concerning the deeds of power of God. They were all so amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, what does this mean? Others mockingly said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spoke out to them, Men of Judea and all of you who are now staying in Jerusalem, let this be explained to you and listen to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. But this is what has been announced to the prophet Joel. It will be in the last day, said God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Yes, and on my servants and on my handmaidens in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes, and it will be that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord abides in this church and every church. Amen. So happy feast. It's the 1987th birthday of the church. Um, and it's an opportunity to talk with the Holy Spirit because we actually don't talk, in my personal view, enough about the Holy Spirit um, in the church, even though everything goes towards him. The third hour um, litanies of the Agbeya, which usually would have been sung this morning for those of you who are able to go to church. Um, those prayers are directed at the Holy Spirit. Um, the Lord in the Gospel was saying, I'm not going to leave you without, without comfort, which is the Holy Spirit. And elsewhere in that same um, section of the Gospel of John, he says, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you orphans. And he meant this not just in a in a sentimental sense, he actually meant this in a legal sense too, right? That orphans in, in, in that society had no legal guardian. They had nobody to advocate on their behalf, to be their, their, their lawyer, if you will. 
And so the Lord is intentionally saying um, that I'm sending you your advocate, your lawyer, um, your representative. I'm not leaving you to be an orphan. And, and this was understandable because if you think about the whole context of history with us with God, the people were used to seeing God work among the people, right? Through the prophets, through the, through the judges, um, the clouds, the, the light, all the things that God had done to manifest himself. And then for 400 years, there had been nothing. And then the Lord came and he said, I am actually from the Father. I am the Son. And so for the first time in flesh and blood, we encountered and interacted with God. And so the time of God on earth had to end. He came as a human being. And he, as we said about the ascension, he went in and prepared for us a place and said, I'll be with you through the Holy Spirit, right? But I'm not leaving you orphans. I'm promising you um, that I will not leave you without a sign, without um, a guardian, without a comfort, and he uses different terms to talk with the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk a little bit today about our work with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work with us, because the core of your spiritual life is around the Holy Spirit, even though you might not think about that. If you want to work with the Holy Spirit, then you need to do the work of the Holy Spirit, right? And so the different works of the Holy Spirit are the works that we are supposed to do as the people of God. We're supposed to comfort people, right? That is a work of the Holy Spirit. And there's a, there's a, there's a reason for, for why I'm saying this, and we'll get to it. If you see people who are downcast, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to comfort. That's something that you and I ought to be doing. Not to be just looking inwardly at ourselves, but is to go out and do that work for others. Some of us have the gift of comforting. Some of us have the gift of instructing, right? There are those who are blessed with the gift of being able to teach. Not all of us are teachers, okay? That if you see something that you might have the gift of knowing how to articulate that, knowing how to explain things, knowing how to give analogies, knowing how to do things, these are things that come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives life to people, right? And that can mean that somebody who is... Um, completely downcast, that you're the one who's able to, to give them that sense of being, that sense of being able to live. For others, it might be that they're down on the ground and you have those words that are able to restore life to them. For some of you, it's actually just your mood, your disposition. That when people see you, it gives them strength, right? We've all probably can think of our minds as somebody that when we see them, even if they don't say anything, we get something from them by just being in their, in their presence. The Holy Spirit animates people, right? It, it helps them come to, to life, not just now in terms of on the verge of dying, but there's some strength that they get from you. The Holy Spirit prays for us, right? We, we read in the book of Romans how it says that he, he gives utterings and he groans on behalf of humanity, and he even interprets us, gives words to us to the Father on our behalf. So for some of us, our gift of the Spirit, our, 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 our working with the Spirit, our collaboration with the Spirit, is to actually do that for other people. It's for us to actually pray for people, to pray on their behalf. I was thinking, okay, these people aren't praying, I'll pray on their behalf. 
I know what this person wants from God and they don't know how to say it, I'm going to do that on their, on their behalf to God. This is a really, really big deal. Um, it's also to heal people. Sometimes physically, okay? Sometimes physically, but also sometimes by um, our presence, right? That we know people who, who we felt healed from, that being around them changed something in me, right? I've given the example often of a, of a certain person in California that, that just by, by conversation um, brought to my attention and healed me from my judgment, from my negativity, right? That, that the person just did that. By being the right thing, we're able to do that. We're supposed to collaborate with the Holy Spirit. The collaboration with the Holy Spirit, we're going to get to momentarily, is how we receive gifts of the Holy Spirit. On the flip side, okay, so on one hand, we're supposed to collaborate with the Holy Spirit. On the other side is not to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's a real thing. And I think it's a thing we might not take as seriously as we ought to, because we don't tend to take sin very seriously, and we ought to. You know to do right, and you say no. That's how we view the Holy Spirit, right? Of saying, I reject your help. I reject your counsel. I reject your existence within me. I am saying, no, I don't want to do the right thing. It's a big deal, right? Imagine if you have a personal coach, and every time, the Holy, that your, your, your personal coach, which I'm using to symbolize the Holy Spirit, says, well, if you want to get fit, this is what you need to do. If you want to be healthy, this is what you need to do. If you want to become this, this is what you need to do. And you're like, no, 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 no. Whether willingly, unwillingly, intentionally or unintentionally, you just constantly are saying, I'm not doing that. You grieve the Holy Spirit. You're grieving your personal coach, your personal coach is saying, oh, I, what do I do? I want you to be healthy. I'm not, I'm not trying to help you be something random, right? I'm, I'm trying to work with you to be what you're meant to be. And you keep rejecting me. And sometimes you don't even just reject. Sometimes you're actually fighting me, right? This is when sometimes the spirit tells you to do something. And I'm sure many of you have had that experience, if not all of you. And you intentionally choose the opposite, where you hear the voice, not talking about your conscience, you hear the voice saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And you say, I'm doing it. Right? We sometimes very willfully tell the Holy Spirit to buzz off. This is what we do. I know I have. Right? There have been times where, where the Holy Spirit is very clear. Right? Where it's been, I'm still going to do it, actually. I'm going to do the wrong thing. Um, we do this, but this is a grieving of the Holy Spirit. And it's scary because St. Paul warns us not to quench the Spirit. I believe it was St. Paul, I might be mistaken. Don't quench the Spirit. It is possible for you to stifle the Spirit. And we use the imagery of fire because today on the Feast of Pentecost, we saw these cloven tongues of fire, these split tongues of fire, resting on the head of all the men and women that were in that room doing things that they never could do before. And so we're told you can extinguish that flame. You can. That's scary. 
it's very scary that this gift that we've received, we can put it out. And so what I encourage us all to do, especially on the day of Pentecost, is to recall your own baptism. I'm going to read you one of two of the prayers, not, right, not in a row, but one of the prayers that we, we pray during baptism is we put our hands on the person that's going to be baptized. The priest puts his hand on the person and says, call your servants, O my master, to your holy life. Make them worthy of this great grace of holy baptism. Strip from them the old man. Beget them, make them born again to life eternal. Fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit to the knowledge of your Christ, that they may be no more natural sons, not just now physical, genetic sons um, born of human beings, but sons of the kingdom, now sons of the, of, of the heavens, through the goodwill of the grace of your only God, Son Jesus Christ our Lord, your Lord, etc., your birth in the spirit makes you birth to the kingdom. You're receiving a different kind of birth. The same way that on this day the church was born, as a whole, you individually on, on your day of baptism became born into that church. It's a membership. It's a sonship. It's the entrance into a family, which means that now you become a member of something much bigger than yourself. And you have a responsibility, not just to yourself as a newborn member of this family, but to the whole family. You've entered into something much bigger than yourself. And your collaboration with the Holy Spirit is not about you personally. It's about the whole church. On the day of Pentecost, remember that you have become a member of the whole church. Your individual collaboration your duty to those things that we talked about, comforting, instructing, giving life, animation, prayer, um, healing, advocate, and there's more. All of those are now your personal duties, not just you personally to the Holy Spirit, but you personally to the whole church, to the whole family. Imagine if a father said, I don't care that you're on that leave. I don't want to work. I'm not going to make money. It's about me right now. Right? You, 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 you've done something against your whole family. Right? Imagine if a mother said, well, I'm not breastfeeding. I'm sick of it. I don't want to do that. There's a duty you have to your whole family, not just to yourself. If someone dies because of you, that was your responsibility. Right? This is what the Holy Spirit has done to us. It has given us something beyond ourselves. And then the priest, after you've been, the person has been baptized, the priest holds the infant and chrismates him, sealing him, right? Because the oil is a symbol of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit always, this anointing. I mean, it's a symbol of the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And after he has chrismated every single part of the body, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the joints, the mind, the body, the heart, the back, the, covering the whole person and saying, all of you belongs to God now. All of you is for the work of God. All of you is set aside for God. The priest then says, actually it was originally the bishop, may you be blessed with the blessing of the heavenly and the blessing of the angels. 
May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you. And in his name, why in his name? Because of what we just read in the, in the readings today, where he's saying that I will send you, not just the Father, I will give you the Holy Spirit, okay? And so he's saying, may the Lord Jesus Christ bless you. And in his name, and then the priest holds this infant and, and into the infant's mouth, breathes in that face physically and says, receive the Holy Spirit and be a purified vessel to Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because of what we read in Acts. My spirit will come forth and be upon all of you, my sons and my daughters, my, my servants and my handmaidens, saying my, my, the males and the females, that everyone receives this holy gift of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit now lives in you, that now you have physically actually become a vessel and a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is a big deal. God now actually, literally dwells inside of you. It's not theoretical. Now you have become consecrated, just like we consecrate altars, just like we consecrate icons, and say, now the Holy Spirit has come upon these. That was done to you. You have God dwelling in you, and you might not even know there are things you know because of that baptism. Things that you take for granted about right and wrong. Things that you take for granted about things like, yeah, 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 we know that. It's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. You only actually know that because of the Holy Spirit within you. You're only able to discern certain things because the Holy Spirit is within you. You only know to cry out to God because the Holy Spirit is within you. You only hear back from God in particular ways because the Holy Spirit is within you. We were restored to our first estate. We're restored to what it meant to be Adam and Eve in the paradise. We received that. But when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we say, shut up, we don't want you. Move into your corner, and actually I'm going to pack it with junk. So how do you set the Spirit ablaze? That's what we talked about. Collaborating with the Holy Spirit. That's how you fan the flames, right? Those of you who have been at a campfire, right, you can understand this better. When you've got that tiny spark that's down there, right, what do you do? You do two things. Protect it, right, so that it doesn't get quenched by anything coming around, and fan it, right? Find a way to fan it, to fuel it, right? You've got to put fuel, you've got to fan. You've got to protect. What are those three things? Okay, the, the, the fuel is that collaboration, comforting, instructing, living the gospel, living Matthew 5 through 7 doing the work of God, comforting, turning the other cheek, walking the extra mile. Those are how we, we, we put fuel and, and fan, right? That's how we, how we do it. Or in another way to use that analogy, perhaps the Kindle is being baptized, perhaps. There's so many different ways you can take this analogy. But doing the good works, that's the fanning. That's the fanning. You have to do them. If you are not doing good works, your, 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 your fire will never grow. And then you'll ask, what's the point? How come I don't feel anything? How come I don't feel God? How come I don't feel the Holy Spirit? You talk about all these things I don't feel. It's because you're doing nothing. You're doing nothing. But what happens when you fan the flames? You change. The whole of you gets set on fire. And then what do you receive? You start to receive particular gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, 
These are the gifts we talked about in Romans. But there's more. We see this in Corinthians and we see it on the day of Pentecost. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophesying, distinguishing spirits, tongues, speaking in tongues. That's a real gift. Interpretation of tongues. And then we also see in Corinthians, there's other gifts of the Spirit. Those of leadership, apostleship, prophecy, teaching, miracles, healings, helps, administration, tongues. That's why, for example, this was a big moment for me, I'll be honest with you, with the day of my ordination. I didn't know the rites of ordination. It was all new to me. I'd never watched an ordination. I'd never seen an ordination. I didn't know it was supposed to happen. And suddenly, as I'm about to go for a Eucharist, I've already had the laying on of hands. I was told by the Naam Abraham, when you, stay, when you go for Eucharist, you stand in front of Sayyidina and the Serbian, and you open your mouth and say, I open my mouth and receive to myself a spirit. Um, and I, I trembled from head to toe, right? The whole of me was set on fire in a way that I didn't know possible. When I opened my mouth, I didn't know it was going to happen because I opened my mouth and literally my bishop who received the Holy Spirit from the laying on of hands of our, of our, our, of our archpriest, um, the, the, the repose Pope Shenouda, who received it from a line of bishops, who received it from the apostles, who received it from God on this day in the year 33 AD, breathed into my mouth and said, receive this gift. That, that's what I received from. That gave me this gift of apostleship, of prophecy, of teaching. Okay? This is a big deal. Every single one of you baptized is a priest, a king, and a prophet. Every single one of you, male and female. That's a gift you receive from the Holy Spirit. And so when we work with the Spirit, then we might get some of these particular gifts. Why is it not for everybody? Because of two things. Number one, it's based on the need of the whole community because you enter the family. And number two, if you're not collaborating with the Holy Spirit, how can God give you this gift? Imagine if you're at a, at a physical war and you don't have the physical strength to handle a certain weapon needed for the war. What's going to happen? You might become a danger to everybody. Imagine if the military needs funding. God has to trust somebody with the funding. If you're somebody who tends to squander money, he can't trust you with that money. If you're somebody who's going to take it and steal it and use it for yourself, he can't trust you with that money. You have to work with the Spirit to be entrusted with these gifts. It's not about who's good and who's bad. It's about collaboration. It's about how you use that gift. And so if you sit there and you're being like, well, I don't have that. Well, I don't have that. Well, I don't have that. It's like, well, ask yourself, what gift you do have, maybe you do have, we all receive certain gifts, maybe not some of these specific ones. But if you don't collaborate with the Spirit, or if, if in fact, not only do you not collaborate, you grieve the Spirit, you won't experience the life in the Spirit. And so all of this will just be words to you. It'll be foreign to you. Why do you think kids are often more sensitive to the Spirit than us? It's because they don't want to grieve the Spirit. It's because they're still doing naturally what it means to be a son or a daughter. And so they hear the Holy Spirit more, more distinctly. That's why kids tend to have a better sense, actually, 
than we do spiritually. It's why kids sometimes, sometimes can pick up something's wrong, right? There's, there's, there's something special about them because of their purity. They're not grieving the spirit as much. It's why I genuinely believe so many young infants are seeing things that we don't see. Even the supernatural. I truly believe that. Could be wrong. But you, as a normal, everyday Joe, you are an apostle by virtue of your baptism. And you can interact with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can move you to do something. And it can move you to not do something. It can be like, pick up your phone and call. Don't get on that bus. Some of you have experienced those things, right? There's something wrong here. Sometimes there's somebody behaving in a certain way or comes near you and you might feel totally internally disrupted by the person. That's the Holy Spirit telling you. It, can, it may be, I don't want to say definitively. It may be the Holy Spirit telling you, careful of this person. Leave. Get away from this person. Right? Even, I know somebody, for example, was playing cards. Again, this presupposes that you're interacting with the Spirit, collaborating with the Spirit, as we talked at the beginning. And a distinct internal voice was saying, get up and go for a walk. And the person was like, why would I go for a walk? And there's an argument, there's an even a, an interaction. And so finally the person submitted to what was the Holy Spirit. And the minute the person went for a walk, somebody came running saying, I need to talk to you. I have a particular issue and the person had been waiting to talk to that person for ages and they had never met, they had never had a conversation. I can say as, as, a, as, a, as a priest, there have been times where um, I'll have been preparing a sermon. Um, and this is not a boasting because it's the Holy Spirit. This is, not, this is not me. And this is for the needs, again, of the people. Anybody who boasts the work of the Spirit loses the, the gift right away. Okay? But that this voice saying, add this to your sermon. This was five, six years ago. I was like, yeah, yeah I will. And I'm like, no, 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 write it down so you don't forget. No, I'm fine. No, write it. Anyways, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Literally added this thing that was honestly something like maybe 10 to 15 seconds of the sermon, nothing more. Okay, my normal sermon, glory be to God forever, we bounce. Someone during the, the distribution of the of Lovia, the, the Baraka, said, Abuna, I need to talk to you. It's not a regular at the church, it was the first time at their church. There's something you said today that I need to talk to you about. And it was about those 15 seconds. Because the Holy Spirit is working for other people. The Holy Spirit can speak to us. That's not just for priests. That's not just for priests. Right? That can be in so many different situations for anybody, male or female. The Holy Spirit does not discern male and female. Right? The Holy Spirit might be the reason why somebody gets up and moves to another country. The Holy Spirit, as we said, can indicate when you're doing something wrong. Sometimes the Holy Spirit might make you feel very anxious or sick when you speak out of turn or say something wrong. There is, there is there's someone I know who was speaking to a friend about something. And that thing they were speaking about was actually meant to be totally... Um, intimate and private and it was about God it wasn't about some personal matter 
it was a personal matter about them and God. And the person, as they were speaking, felt anxious, right? They didn't, like, that was the only word they could use to describe it. It might not have been anxiety, right? But they felt troubled. Troubled is a better word than anxious. They felt very troubled and, 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 and tight, physically felt tight um, when speaking. And they're speaking to someone after, and the person, without even knowing the details, because the other person had a different gift of the Holy Spirit, was like, you should not have said that story. And the Holy Spirit was trying to stop you. In the future, don't ignore that. Go silent, change the subject, do something. The Holy Spirit interacts with us, right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit might chastise or rebuke you, telling you quickly to make amends. It might be that you got in a fight with someone, the Holy Spirit says, go and, and reconcile that person immediately. It might be that you fall in a particular thing, the Holy Spirit says, go quickly, arrive. No, don't wait till your next confession. Talk to your father of confession immediately and say you have fallen. And it can also be the opposite. It can be that you just went through something horrible and the Holy Spirit comes and says, Malish Habibi, I'm with you. I am comforts us and tells us to, to, to be consoled, right? These are things that I can do. Holy Spirit is can warn you of danger. Um, I know, for example, of a particular case where somebody had the gift of both prophecy and of hearing the Holy Spirit, where we were visiting a very holy monk, me and a couple of monks. And out of nowhere, the saintly monk was saying to us, go back to the monastery. As if he was like sick of us. And we're like, what? And he goes, leave, leave, go, go back to the monastery. So we were, to be honest, a little bit offended. We're like, okay, whatever, he's busy, he's tired. We didn't think about the Holy Spirit. One of the monks who, who pays more attention was like, I think something's up, but no problem. So we leave. But then on the way, we stopped to visit somebody. And then that saintly monk who did, he didn't even own a phone. There was somebody with him that, that serves him that has a phone. He's like, call them right now. Because he knew by the spirit, we hadn't gone back to the monastery. So he calls us, right? And, and then he says, leave. And he sounded angry immediately. Is there no obedience? leave right now sounding very aggressive so we got up and we left we get to the monastery and then a bunch of people call us in frantic fear saying did you guys get back to the monastery safely and we're like yeah why and some terrible tragedy had happened on the road that had we not left when we left we may have died in right that the holy spirit is protecting us guiding us right? Speaking for us, telling us even when there's a danger, when there's a catastrophe. Sometimes it's saying there's a catastrophe that you need to be part of, but I'm telling you in advance, just like our Lord said today, I'm telling you in advance that you don't freak out when it happens. You know that you're supposed to be there. Don't be afraid. You're going to be there and don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit is so important, so important. I, 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 I beg you, know that we, we must interact with the Spirit. We must collaborate with the Spirit. We must listen to the Holy Spirit. So pray to the Holy Spirit. Actually pray to the Holy Spirit, right? The litanies of the third hour are the litanies that are done. Your Holy Spirit, the Lord, and the Son of your disciples, right? We then say, O Spirit of Truth, and we, 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 we address Him directly, and we talk to Him directly. Do that. 
and do that throughout your day. You're in a jam, Holy Spirit, what, what ought I to say? What do you advise me? Holy Spirit, I am troubled. I ask you to comfort me, to help me. Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say. Instruct me. Holy Spirit, I'm going out in your name. What must I say? What ought I to do? What are you telling me? Pray to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit leads you. As we see on this great feast, the Holy Spirit leads the whole church. What we do individually affects the whole church. How you behave individually affects the whole church. You affect everything. Your Holy Spirit isn't, your, is not personal. It's your, yours and in yours in the context of the whole church. If the church is in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, then she is steered. She is steered. And then she will know how to react. We would know how to act in these times. Why do we struggle? I'm going to be very honest here, and it's a difficult thing to say. Why are we struggling sometimes as a church with what to do, how to deal with problems? Because we don't want to be steered by the Holy Spirit. Because individually, we're not steered by the Holy Spirit. Individually, we're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit. So we get confusion, discord, envy, strife, anger, arguments. That's what happens when we're not living with the Holy Spirit. When we resist the Spirit, we harm and affect not just ourselves, not just the whole church, the whole earth. All of humanity is affected when we don't live in communion with the Holy Spirit individually and as an institution. Imagine if the apostles didn't preach. Imagine if what they received on this day, they walked home and said, that was cool. So what? I'd rather eat, sleep, and drink and go out, have kids, live my life. Imagine if they ignored the gifts they received on this day that people are calling them drunk for. Imagine if they ignore these gifts of healing that they receive. Or we say the Feast of the Apostles is such a big deal, guys. I know no one likes it. Where it says the shadow, the shadow of Peter healed people. That's insane. Paul's handkerchiefs were casting out demons. That's you. That's me. That's all of us. Imagine if the apostles didn't use those gifts, they just went home and said, whatever, this is cool. I'll use it for my friends and family. And that's it. If that, I'll use it for me. If I do a show, maybe I'll make money. They didn't do that. Imagine if they used the gifts only for themselves. Guys, the Holy Spirit is a big deal. May we all be guided and live in the strength, in the consolation, in the gifts, in the divinity of the Holy Spirit, who is glorified at all times in us and through us in all of creation, with the Father and with the Son, to the Trinity be glory, praise, majesty, and might forever. Glory be to God forever. Amen. The love of God the Father, grace and the God Son, the communion and the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you.